0: You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other in Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake Box. I'm the lead pastor here at Midtown Church and love that you're here. Great Sunday to be here as you've already uh, witnessed with uh, breakfast tacos outside, and then we've got baptisms, and then we're starting a uh, brand new series this morning. We're wrapping up the 21-day fast and our food drive and all that kind of stuff. It's a great great morning to be here. Let me just real quick, before we get in the message, uh, re-emphasize what Justin said a second ago. If you still have these cards laying on the side of your, your aisle, then uh, you pick that up and you pass those down the aisle, okay? So pass that down. If you need a pen, Use it. And then pass that pen down, because most people probably don't have a pen. You don't have to fill this out, but we want to give everyone an opportunity to fill it out. And that opportunity is now, during this message. Because at the end, we're going to uh, take communion, and that's when you're going to have a chance to come and pin up your card, either in the front here or in the back. And so I won't be discouraged. I won't take offense if you are using this time during the message to fill this out. So go feel free. You have my permission. Do that. Now is the time time to fill this out, all right? Because we want to give you a chance just to reflect on what God did over the last 21 days if you participated in the 21 days of prayer and fasting. So it's kind of a way to do that this morning. It should be pretty cool. But like I said earlier, uh, this is a great Sunday to be here. We got a lot going on, and one of those things is the beginning of a new series, and we're calling this series, as you can see, uh, Heart Matters. And the subtitle is uh, Getting to the Heart of Emotional Health. Getting to the Heart of Emotional Health. And um, I'm very excited about this topic because uh, whether you would use this term or not, uh, we all really want emotional health. Because here's, here's what emotional health looks like or what it, what it feels like when, if you just boil it down. Uh, emotional health looks like peace. It looks like peace on the inside. And it's peace on the inside that often leads to peace on the outside, specifically in your relationships. And we want that, don't we? I mean, that's something that we all want. We want peace on the inside. We want to have peace in our relationships. And so I'm really excited about getting to talk on this topic because the sad thing is, is that um, many of us lack emotional health. And the reason we lack emotional health is because there's something that robs us us of emotional health, just like there's something that can rob us or things that can rob us of physical health, right? I mean, let's just pretend that if there was like some kind of virus that was rapidly spreading throughout our world today, and there, you know, if you, you had to stand on guard against getting this thing or else it's going to rob you of physical health. Yeah, that would be, that would be more funny if, if it really was hypothetical, wouldn't it? But um, Just like you got to stand on guard against stuff that can rob you of physical health. According to the Bible, there is something that we need to guard if we're going to be able to experience emotional health. And the thing that the scriptures tell us, that God tells us in his word, the thing that we need to guard is our heart. Because emotional health is ultimately a matter of the heart. And so... uh, The problem is not many of us know how to do that. Like, what does that even mean, guard your heart? I mean, we don't really get taught how to do that. Uh, We don't really know what that looks like. And that's a problem because according to King Solomon, you've ever heard of that guy, Uh, widely regarded as one of the wisest people, if not the wisest person that ever lived in his day and age, definitely regarded as the wisest person. guy who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, most of the Proverbs, uh, the guy who wrote on topics, wide-ranging topics, marriage and relationships and work and uh, I mean just about everything. He wrote this, Proverbs chapter four, verse twenty-three. He says, "Above all else, now pause here. Like, hey, above everything else, I'm going to write about this is it. This is most important. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do." Flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, because from it you could say all of life emanates. Now that I don't know about you, but like that sounds important, <laughs> right? Um, but we don't usually know how to do that. I mean, in fact, even if you just take the statement above all else guard your heart, many of us are kind of confused on what the Bible would even mean by that statement. Because the word uh, heart in scripture, it's used differently than the way that we use it. Because we either use it to talk about our physical organ. That's not what the Bible's talking about here. Uh, Though it's good to take care of that. And uh, usually when we talk about heart, not physically, we're talking about our emotions, and certainly, when the Bible speaks about the heart, it involves our emotions or our feelings, but it also involves a lot more than that. Simply put, if you had to boil it down, what the Bible means when it re- refers to our heart is it's talking about the control center of our lives, the, con- the control center of our lives. It's, it's not just our feelings, but it includes that, it, it, but it also includes our thoughts, and it includes our commitments. And it includes our loves. It's, it's the thing that controls all of us. It's why Solomon would say, you gotta guard it, because above all else, because from it, everything flows, everything you do. Now, when he says guard, we also get confused. Like, what does guard mean? Like, what, what does that look like? Well, think about this. Think about prison guards. I think this is kind of helpful picture of it. What's the job of a prison guard? It's twofold, right? Like a prison guard has a job of keeping an eye on uh, the things, making sure that things that aren't supposed to get into the prison don't get in, right? And prison guard has a job of keeping their eye on what's already in the prison, making sure that that all stays right. Well, that's what I think Solomon's getting at when he talks about guard our hearts. It's this twofold Practice. It involves both you know, paying attention to, making sure that things that are harmful don't get in, but it also means paying attention, being careful to observe what's already in there. But again, that's not something that we are often taught how to do. I don't know how many of us really feel like you're really good at that. My guess is that? It's not very many of us. Now, unfortunately, or, or you know, just to contrast that, I should say, um, our society is really good at teaching us to be on guard or to monitor something else, and that would be our behavior. In fact, you could say the church is good at teaching that, but all of society is good at teaching us to monitor our behavior because all of us, to some degree or not, uh, some degree or other, we're pretty good at monitoring our behavior, because we, we know how to monitor our behavior—what we say and what we do—in order to in order to get a job, right? In order to get a job interview, and then we know what to what to uh, guard, what to say, what to do, so that we can get that job, or so that we can uh, make friends, right? Or so we can keep friends. We're good at monitoring what we do or what we say, monitoring our behavior, so that we can get um, a date, right? And perhaps get a second date, and maybe. So you get married and, and baby, so you can stay married, right? I mean, we, we have learned to monitor our behavior, to pay attention to what we say, to pay attention to what we do, but we, we're not taught on how to guard or monitor our own hearts. And I think that it's worth pointing out that when Solomon said, hey, above all else, he didn't finish that line with saying, guard your behavior. He said, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And I think Solomon knew, and I think, if we're honest with ourselves, we know this too, that the reason why it's more, most important to guard our hearts than even just to guard our behavior is because eventually, whatever is in our heart, no matter how sophisticated our behavioral modification system is, eventually, whatever is in our hearts is going to come out. So, I'm excited about this sermon series, because we're going to talk about this thing that most of us don't know how to do very well. And I wouldn't say I'm learning a lot as I prepare for this as well. This is something that I would say I'm no expert on, but together, hopefully, God will help us all grow in this area that is really of utmost importance, learning how to guard our heart. And so in this series, as it goes on, we're going to actually look at how to guard our hearts from some powerful negative emotions that try to get in to our hearts and wreak havoc on our hearts and on our relationships. So that's where we're going in the weeks to come. But before we get there, today, we're going to look at a passage in Matthew chapter 15, where Jesus gives us some really helpful insight to not just how to stay on guard to what's trying to get in, but how to do the other side of guarding, which is paying attention to what's already in there, to see what's already in there, which is also a very important aspect of guarding our hearts. So if you want, go to Matthew chapter 15. I um, also have the words up here on the slide. Now, I do want to warn you. Um, you might not like what Jesus has to say here, okay? I just just want to let you know that. But uh, let's jump into this. Are you are you intrigued? Good, good. You should be. All right. So uh, as you turn Matthew 15, or we get ready to look at this passage together, um, let me just give you a little bit of context, okay? Because uh, we're going to about to jump right in the middle of a conversation Jesus is having. So let me kind of set it up. Uh, in Matthew 15, Jesus uh, has uh, these Pharisees and religious leaders, they come up to him and his disciples, and they, and they put Jesus on the spot. They, they call him out, they confront him for something. And namely, what they confront him for is that he doesn't have his disciples, his followers, wash their hands which, uh, side note, parents, uh, don't ever let your kids read Matthew 15. They're going to use that against you. Like, Jesus didn't make people wash their hands. Mom, I don't have to wash my hands. But um, anyways, the, um, I thought I'd get more of a laugh than that. I mean, come on, y'all are stiff. Wow. Um, but seriously, for the religious leaders, for the Pharisees, this was a big deal. And the reason that it was a big deal that Jesus didn't have his disciples washed their hands before they ate, was because uh, they had a rule. It was called the tradition of the elders. And the tradition of elders was this whole set of rules that they had come up with. They weren't from God. They were man-made. They were the tradition of the elders, uh, the religious leaders. But the purpose of these rules was to be, or one of the purposes of these rules was to add on like extra stringent rules that would keep people from ever breaking God's rules and so they were like buffer rules they were like the things to make sure that if you keep these rules that you have no chance of breaking god's rules and so one of those rules was that people had to wash their hands before they ate because in god's law there were all these dietary restrictions in the mosaic law what people could jews could eat what they could not eat and so they said well like well let's make sure that people wash their hands before they eat because if if they don't then perhaps there's a chance that they'll have something that's unclean that they shouldn't eat on their fingers when they eat, and that unclean thing will accidentally get in their mouth, and then they would be defiled. They would defile themselves before God. That would be really bad. And so they say, okay, now you have to wash your hands. And yet Jesus, Jesus didn't make his followers follow these extra rules. He wasn't buying it, so he didn't say he said, no, you don't have to wash your hands. But anyways, this, the Pharisees, they confront Jesus about this. And so Jesus uses this as a teaching opportunity. And in verse 10, he, he, he calls the crowds to him and he says, uh, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth, and again, the context here is accidentally, as a result of not washing your hands, uh, someone's mouth does not defile them. Now, this word defile is, is important because it's a religious term. It, it, it means uh, to put you at odds with God. To defile is to put you at odds with God. He says, you know, get something in your mouth accidentally. That doesn't put you at odds with God. But then he says this. But what comes out of their mouth, that's what defiles them. That's what will put you at odds with God. And then Jesus, he just stops and he walks away. All right? And so everyone's like, wait, what, is that? What, wait what, what do you mean? And so his disciples, they chase after him. And they come up to him, and in verse 12, the, uh, they catch him, they, they say this to, to Jesus. Hey, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Which I don't know if you have to say, did you know to Jesus ever? It's like, do you know? He's like, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm Jesus. That, see, look, a few more chuckles. That's good. Y'all are warming up. Um, Yeah, but they say, okay, yeah, did you know that? And the reason that they were worried that the Pharisees were offended and perhaps they were feeling offended too is because when Jesus made that statement about what goes in the mouth does not defile you, it sounded to them as if Jesus had just dismissed the entire Mosaic dietary law. And that would have been a really big deal. But that's not what Jesus was doing. I mean, he was talking just about accidentally something in your mouth. He's not talking about getting rid of the whole Mosaic law. And this is important to point out because Jesus, he upheld God's law. Not only did he uphold God's law, but he fulfilled God's law perfectly. So Jesus wasn't dismissing God's law. He was just trying to get them to pay attention to what is really important to God. And here he says, let me tell you, let me tell you, you want to know, you don't understand? I'll tell you what's important. He tells them this after Peter asks. we kind of speaks up for the rest of the group. Verse 15, he says, um, hey, can you <laughs> explain that parable to us? Because we just don't understand. And so Jesus, what he's about to say, let me just give you a warning. It's going to feel like maybe he got a little... Uh, abrasive with them perhaps a little little rude and i don't know i don't know if he was a little stern with them maybe in the way that he said this i don't think that he was and i'll explain why in a minute like i think that jesus with his friends and sometimes we just forget like jesus 100% god 100% man and sometimes we really err on the side of like just divine and like we go oh you know and it's like but he was he was a man and he had friends and they joked with each other, just like we joke with each other. And I think that that's what he's doing here. When Peter asks this question, I think he he messes with Peter a little bit, gives him a hard time. Because here's how he responds. He says, uh, "Are you still so dull?" <laughs> it's like, mm, what? No. I, mean, I think he says, "Are you still so dull?" Jesus asks them, "Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body?" Now, this is funny. But we don't read this as funny because it's in the Bible. And so when we read the Bible, right, we just get all somber and serious and we light a candle and we take a, we take a picture for Instagram, right? And, um, but this is, again, this is Jesus with his friends and he's giving them a hard time because they don't understand what he's saying. And he's like, guys, come on, are you, you can't clue into this? You still, you still having a hard time with this? Come on, are you still so dull? Look, look it's like this. It's like, don't you know that whatever you eat it's going to go in your stomach, and then it's going to go out of you, right? And they're probably laughing, and they're like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, we're not that dull. We, we see that every day. Yeah, it's like, all right, yeah. But then I think Jesus leans in, and, and here's what he says, verse 18. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. But the things... That come out of a person's mouth, come from the heart, and these defile them. Um, it's as if Jesus says here, we're going to talk about this some. But here, it, it, he's saying, okay, hey, you want to know what's inside someone's heart? Um, just listen to what comes out of their mouth. See, the mouth is like a stethoscope for the heart. And then he takes it a step further. In verse 19, he says this, um, But the, but the, uh, verse 19, for out of the heart come evil thoughts. Now again, just pause here. This is the biblical understanding of the heart, right? It's the control center of your life. It's not just your feelings. It's everything. It's, it's your feelings, your emotions, and your thoughts, which is why Jesus is saying from, from your heart come thoughts, or in this case, evil thoughts. It's the control center of your whole life. He says, now, Keep going. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands, that doesn't defile them. That doesn't put you at odds with God. These are the things that will put you at odds with God. Now, just before I get much further on this, I want to point out notice that all of these things negatively impact people, right? I mean, murder, definitely. It hurts people. Adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Like, these hurt people. And it's like Jesus said, hey, you want to know what really defiles you before God, what really puts you at odds with God? It's, it's how you treat people. It's like we talked about last week. It's because people matter much to God, that God loves all people. And so when you treat people poorly by what comes out of your mouth or as a result of acting on the evil thoughts that come from your heart and you hurt people, that offends God, that upsets God, that puts you at odds with God. But as Jesus says, but not washing your hands before you eat, that's that's not the thing. Now, having understood that, I want to go back to this concept that the things that come out of our mouth come from our heart and that these evil thoughts that we are moved to act on, they come from our heart. And just point out this this big idea. Like if we're going to learn how to guard our hearts, and part of that means knowing what's in them, paying attention to what's already in there, then according to Jesus, the way that we can know what's in our heart is this. You think that's on the next slide. Pay attention to what you're saying and thinking. Pay attention to what you're saying and your thinking. Because you know, whatever comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. And your thoughts that lead to actions, they come from your heart, Jesus says. Now, I, I don't know how you respond to that. You might, you know, you might have to say, like, of, of course, you're not telling me anything I don't already know. Or there's a chance that you're in here and you're thinking, I completely disagree with that, right? Like, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, Jake, I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes I just say things that I don't mean, right? And we've probably all felt that way before. We, yeah, sometimes something comes out of our mouth, but we didn't actually mean it. We just, you know, it's heat of the moment. But I say things I don't mean, but I think that Jesus might push back against that, friends. See, I think Jesus would say this. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, we don't say, we say things we don't mean. I think I have it on here, Rebecca. Maybe not. Uh, we don't say, we say things that we don't mean. But Jesus, I think, would say, no, I think it's really, if you're honest with yourself, that you just say things you didn't mean to say out loud because it was in there. And you said it because you meant it. And I think, I think we say, well, I don't like Jesus. I don't, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't like that. I, don't, I, want, I, I think I can just say something and not actually mean it. He says, no, no, if it came in, if it came out, it was because it was already in there. I think uh, it, it's like this. that, um, I brought uh, this incredible illustration. Look at this glass jar. It's full of my kids' Legos. See, I think that we feel at times, and man, I'm with you. I want to push back on this, okay? I don't like what Jesus is saying here. I don't like the ramifications of it. Because I I want to say to Jesus, look, sometimes what comes out of my mouth or sometimes the things that I do are things that I didn't want to say or things I did not want to do. The only reason that I said that or the only reason I did that is because I was responding to what someone else did to me. Or said to me, right? And so it wasn't like I was feeling that way or that this is true of how I really am. It's just that I was responding to what they said or responding to my situation or what, what they did to me. And so it's not what happens, is it, from within. It's, it's just my response to what's from without, from what's happening out there. But then I think Jesus would say, no, 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 no. What others say or what others say do or the situation that you're in doesn't determine what comes out of you. It just determines that something comes out of you. It just exposes what's in there, but it doesn't determine what was in there. Just like if I take this and I shake it or I dump it, the shaking or the dumping of this does not determine what comes out. It just Determines that something comes out, right? Jesus says, what comes out of you is what was in you. And if you want to know what's in your heart, you should pay attention to that. Because whatever comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. And whatever you do began with a thought. And that thought came from your heart. I think, oh, I don't like that. I think, yeah, I don't. <laughs> if you're feeling that way, I'm feeling that way as well. But um, that will cause us, probably, to do a little evaluation. And if you begin to really evaluate what you're saying and what you're thinking, then there's a good chance that you're not going to like some of the stuff that you find going around in there. And the question then becomes, well, then what do you do with that? And friends, that's what we're going to get into over the course of the rest of the series. And I'm really, really looking forward to this. I think it's going to be extremely helpful. But before we get into what do we do with what's in there, it really does begin with saying, okay, I have to stop and take the time to identify what is in there. And that's what Jesus is teaching us how to do here. Uh, I don't know when it was. It was probably when my kids, when my boys were five, going about to go into kindergarten. So that would have been six years ago. I read a book by a guy named Andy Stanley, pastor, author, uh, just great, great pastor. Uh, he wrote a book called Enemies of the Heart. And I read that book uh, about six years ago. And it had a profound impact on me. And I'll just be clear that a lot of the content that you're going to hear over the course of this series has is, is really been influenced by him and his his teaching from that book but um, one of the things that he said in that book that really stuck with me is that he talked about how you know we don't know we don't nothing teaches us how to guard our hearts or pay attention to what's going on our hearts and and i was thinking man that's so true I, i i really want to find a way to teach my kids how to pay attention to what's going on in their heart And so I started six years ago. Boys and I were talking about this this morning at Rudy's, um, which we come to before church on Sundays. And um, I said, guys, you all remember when I started coming in your room and asking you about how how your heart is? And Enoch says, no. (laughs) Do you remember that I do that? He said, yeah, I just don't remember when you began. Gap says, I think it it was when we started going to school. I was like, yeah, I think that's about right. And um, I said, yeah, what I do is that, you know, not every night, but. Periodically, I'll I'll go in when I tuck them in. I'll I'll put my hand on their on their little heart, and I'll just say, "Hey guys, um, is everything okay in there? Is everything okay in your heart? Are you mad at anybody? Anybody hurt your feelings today? Did you say anything today that you wish you hadn't said?" You anxious about anything? See, I so desperately want to teach my kids how to pay attention to what's going on in their heart. Because see, Solomon would say, and Jesus would agree, that from it flows everything you do. So, friends, we need to learn how to guard this. We need to learn how to pay attention to this. I want to help my kids. I want to learn personally, and I want to help you learn how to guard your heart. And so, this morning, we're gonna. Uh, I want to ask you a few questions. We're gonna end with these questions. Well, after these questions, we're gonna move to a time of communion. But before we get to communion, I, I'm gonna just give you a chance right now, just quietly. I would really even encourage you to just, you know, close your eyes and. And just take a second and reflect and, and, and think about your answer to these questions. I'll just ask you some questions like I ask my kids at times. How's your heart? Is everything okay in there? Are you angry at anyone? Have you had any heated Imaginary conversations with anybody lately. Do things come out of your mouth on a regular basis that you have to apologize for? That embarrass you? Have you secretly celebrated someone's failure recently? Do you have any secrets eating at you? Anything going on that you hope no one discovers? Have you lied recently to somebody that you love? Are you anxious or worried about anything? How's your heart? Going to end this message by moving into a time of communion, and as we do uh, here, I want to leave you. <laughs> I want to leave you with some hope, okay? Because we might feel like we need some of that right now. See, when Jesus ate the meal with his disciples, that we remember every time that we uh, take communion, he took the bread and he broke it, and he said, "This, this is my body, which is given for you." Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. And when his disciples heard Jesus refer to the cup, friends, as the new covenant, most likely that would have triggered something for them. And they probably would have gone, because they were very uh, literate about the Old Testament, and they would have probably gone to Jeremiah Thirty-one, or Ezekiel 36 in their minds. For in those two Old Testament passages, God promised his people that one day he would initiate a new covenant where he promised he would give his people a new heart. As God says in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And friends, that's God's promise. That through Jesus' death on our behalf and his payment for our sins, God has promised not only a reconciled relationship with him when you enter into that through faith, but in addition to that, He also promises you a new heart and his spirit to come to live within you so that he can begin to work within us to change our hearts. You see, God doesn't just give us this instruction, guard your heart. He also says, I'm going to help you do that. In fact, I want to be so involved that through my son's death on your behalf, I'm going to actually give you a new one. And we can start working together because it's going to be a pliable heart. It's not this heart of stone any longer. It's a pliable, changeable heart. Between Jesus has done for you and his spirits, my spirit's work in your life, we're we're going to see this thing change. We're going to clean it out. And we're going to heal it. And you're going to be healthy. And you're going to have peace. as there's hope because our hearts matter to God. And so he can change our hearts. And he wants to. Because everything we do flows from them. And so have hope that even through his word, through his spirit, through this series, God is going to begin working in our hearts. And it's going to be really good. It's going to lead to emotional health and relational health and spiritual health. So, let me pray. Thank God for what Christ has done for us. And ask him to begin teaching us how to guard our hearts. Heavenly Father, we do. We pray that. And we are so thankful for Jesus. We're thankful that our hearts matter to you so much that Christ would come and die on our behalf. Lord, for the sins, for the evil thoughts, the things that we do and say that defile us, that put us at odds with you, God, you didn't stay at odds with us. Instead, you came and died for us so that through Christ and our faith in him, we could become your children, adopted into your family, brought in and reconciled to you. And so, God, you could give us a new heart. God, we need that. We ask that you would work within this new heart of ours, this pliable heart, that you would begin to change it. You'd clean it out of all the brokenness that's in it. You would teach us how to guard against the, the negative emotions and things that happen in life that can mess up our hearts and wreak havoc on our hearts and our relationships. God, you would do your good work in our hearts. And God, would you begin now, even though it couldn't be painful to start paying attention to what we say and what we think. <laughs> or it could be painful to be confronted by what's in our heart. God, would you, would you begin now teaching us how to guard it? Because everything we do flows from it. God, we need you. Thank you for what you've done for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.